Good morning, everyone. I'm glad we can meet here this morning with Jesus, the healer, and we all need healing. I need healing. Um, and this morning, I would like to think about our hearts, and my heart needs a further work, and maybe yours does as well. And I want to begin in Proverbs 4 and verse 23. The Bible tells us that the heart is very important. It is the seat of our thoughts and desires and intentions of our motivations, our attitudes. And in Proverbs 4 and verse 23, it says this, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In Deuteronomy uh, chapter 4 and verse 9, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. Above all things, Guard your heart. For the heart of a man and a woman determines matters of tremendous importance. The heart defines our character, what we really are, what a person really is. It influences our choices. It reveals our desires, our true desires. showing what we really want. And in the end, it determines our destiny, where our soul will spend eternity. And we have a good bit to do with what our heart is or what our heart is becoming. And ultimately, God judges those choices and uh, where we spend eternity. So the keeping of our hearts is a matter of concern to all of us. Now God already knows our hearts. He knows our hearts completely. And in Acts, uh, when Peter was reviewing the uh, conversion of the first Gentiles, at the Jerusalem Council, he said, And God, which knoweth the hearts, God who knew the hearts of everyone there in Cornelius's house that was converted, and all of us and everyone in between. And numbers of times it says something to the effect that the Lord, which knoweth the hearts, and it says of God's word, and God, uh, that God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart in Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Nothing, no one is hidden from God. 
So our hearts are very clear and open to him and the condition of our heart matters to God. It matters a lot to God. And what God sees there should matter to us. So what kind of heart is pleasing to God? The psalmist, King David, is described as a man after God's own heart. Samuel was talking to Saul in 1 Samuel 13. He said to him uh, when he was announcing that the kingdom was being taken from Saul, the Lord hath sought him a man. The Lord has looked for a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. And Paul in his sermon at Antioch in Acts 13, a part of his sermon included mention of David and David being made king. And that he said this about David, that God said this about David in verse 22. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. And what I want us to think about this morning is what are some of the characteristics that we would expect to see in someone who is after God's own heart? In a heart that God sees and is pleased with. And what would we expect to see in somebody's heart who is not after God's own heart? Someone that is displeasing to God and unacceptable to Him. And in looking for these, look, thinking of these, uh, these questions, I want us to notice particularly David and Saul. And the Bible tells us, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, that the Old Testament stories were written uh, not just for our own enjoyment, but for lessons, for instruction for us that we can learn from them. And there are lessons that we can learn from Saul and David. And both of these men were chosen by God to be the king of Israel at different times. Both were anointed by Samuel. Both were outstanding young men. In their youth, both of them were humble men. And at the beginning of their reigns, God was with them, with both Saul and with David. When Saul was anointed king, it says in 1 Samuel 11, that all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal, and there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. When David was anointed king in Judah, it says the men of Judah came and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And seven years later, he was uh, made king over all of Israel 
And David went on and grew great, and the Lord of Lord God of hosts was with him. Second Samuel five ten. So both of these men began their reigns in a good way, recognizing and worshiping, honoring God. But there is where the similarities begin to break down and their lives, as you look at them side by side, uh, took different directions. And as we watch them, as we read about them, we'll see characteristics that pleased God in the part of David and did not please God on the part of uh, Saul. And when I read the life of Saul, it, it really saddens me. Um, a little bit of the way that it affects me when I read about Judas in the New Testament. Just such a tragedy. And, and I see, and I think we would all see the potential for Saul in each of us in, in uh, the choices we make and in the care and keeping of our hearts before God. There's also the potential by God's grace to have a heart that pleases God after God's own heart. One of the first characteristics that I think of is that a man after God's own heart is obedient because God is king, first of all, and that God must be obeyed. But, and, and we want to obey him. But King Saul really was a rebel. He wasn't a loud and noisy and hateful sounding rebel uh, to start with, but rebels aren't necessarily angry people or belligerent and noisy. They, but what they do is do what they want to and not what their authority uh, has told them to do. So, uh, several different times when Samuel gave instructions from God, 1 Samuel 15 being an example, where he was to uh, completely destroy the Amalekites, all their livestock, everything, and we know the story. It's familiar to us that Saul did not follow those instructions. And he, he kept the best. He kept things that, that uh, pleased him. And it was a grief to Samuel. And it was because of this and because of his unauthorized sacrifice at another, in another instance that Saul was rejected from, by God. He had rebelled. He did what he wanted to do. He didn't do what... He was asked to do. And Samuel told him in 1 Samuel 15, verses 22 and 23, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, 
To obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken, to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Rebellion and disobedience are the hallmarks of Satan's kingdom. Uh, Characteristics of Satan. It's what brought the first conflict in heaven. It's why Adam and Eve were driven from the garden. It's what brought many, many judgments upon man throughout the course of history. And it's why the throne was taken from Saul. In contrast, David is spoken of as a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Which shall fulfill all my will. A prophet from Judah told the wicked Jeroboam some years later, who was king of the northern kingdom, that he had not been, Jeroboam had not been, as my servant David, who kept my commandments, who followed me with all his heart to do only that which was right in mine eyes. Samuel said to obey is better than sacrifice and obedience to God, whether it's David or me or you, should be an offering of worship for us. Jesus said, if a man love me, he will keep my words. If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. In Ephesians, Paul writing to, uh, to uh, servants, and instructing them to obey their masters, he said, to obey them not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So this is what I see uh, in a man after God's own heart, that he obeys God from the heart. And he desires to be obedient to to please the Lord uh, brings him joy. He has surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's a, an important characteristic of those who are after God's own heart. A, a second characteristic is humility. And to be humble before God, before man, Saul, uh, after his victory over the Amalekites, and Samuel went looking for Saul in the 15th chapter of 1 Samuel in verse 12. It says that Samuel rose early to meet Saul. And it was told Samuel saying that Saul came to Carmel and behold, He set him up a place and is gone about and passed on and gone on down to Gilgal. In other words, he's not here 
he's moved on. But he was there at Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Saul was still a new king when he won that victory over the Amalekites, and he had won battles over the Ammonites and the Philistines before that. But this was a pretty major battle, and he won it in very convincing fashion. And it it appears to have gone to his head to some degree, and he stopped by Carmel to set up a place, a monument, to his victory, honoring himself and his victory, and that's not a good sign. Samuel said, when, when Samuel caught up with Saul, he said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? When you were small, when you were humble, back earlier, when you were first made king, but Saul had lost his sense of humility, his sense of smallness. And we notice later how injured and troubled and unhappy jealous Saul was in chapter 17 when he heard the singing of the women. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And those seeds of jealousy against David in Saul's heart grew to bitterness against David and began a long series of plots against David's life. So Saul was selfish and proud and troubled and unhappy. He was miserable a lot of the time. But David comes through differently. We know David wasn't perfect, but he certainly, he comes through differently. A couple chapters later in chapter 17, when he was trying to convince Saul that he, David, could take on Goliath, he told Saul about his victory over a bear and a lion, how he had killed a bear and a lion. But the way he told it, he was not bragging about his strength and his skill. But he said, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. He didn't say, you know, I was so terrific. I was so strong. I was so skilled. He didn't say, see what I did. But he said, see what God did. He gave God the glory. And when he faced Goliath, he didn't say, I am going to kill you. He said that the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know, all the armies gathered around them, watching. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. No monument for David. Rather, David had a testimony to the power and the might of God. 
And you know, um, David had troubled feelings at times. You can read that in the Psalms over and over. But there was also a peace and a confidence, a rest that David had that Saul did not. It is one thing for a king to begin humbly to be awed by this new, this great new responsibility. It's quite another thing to complete his reign and still be a humble man. And Saul started humbly. Remember how when uh, Samuel anointed him and said he was chosen to be king, Saul said, I'm just a Benjamite, the smallest of the tribes of Israel. And my family is the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why are you talking this way to me? But that was the smallness that, uh, that Samuel was referring to later, but it didn't last. In contrast, David, years later, in the middle of his reign, in uh, 2 Samuel 7, 18, King David went into the temple. He sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? Here he was in the middle of his reign, still amazed and awed at God's kindness to him, and he was humble before him. And in 2 Samuel 23, the, uh, when he gave his last message, his last words that are recorded, he said, uh, I'll read this from the English Standard Version. For he, God, has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? He is still acknowledging God, God's goodness and favor toward him. Still worshiping God, still humble before him. None of us have anything to be proud of ourselves. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. God hates pride. It's, it's one of the abominations listed in Proverbs. And James says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. A man after God's own heart is humble before God always and before man. Another characteristic that we see uh, in David's life and don't in Saul's is repentance. A man after God's own heart is repentant sincerely. <coughs> After that Amalekite uh, victory, 
which was in a lot of ways a defeat for Saul. And Samuel came. And Saul spoke to Samuel and he said, basically, God bless you, Samuel. I have done what God commanded. He sounded pretty cheerful. But Samuel could hear the lowing of the cattle and the bleeding of the sheep. And he said, what's that noise? Well, said Saul, we spared the best for sacrifice and the rest we destroyed. Well, that was not following God's instruction. But God told you this, said Samuel, and you did evil. You disobeyed. That's what was evil. He disobeyed and flew onto the spoil that you and your men rushed to grab things to keep for yourselves. But Saul insisted, I obeyed. I've gone the way God sent me. I followed orders. And he said, but the people wanted to keep some of the best to sacrifice. And apparently Saul uh, figured, rationalized that partway was close enough. It wasn't close enough. But excuses and rationalizing and explaining away had become a pattern for Saul. We don't make ourselves holy by disagreeing with what God says. We won't convince him that we are clean when we're not clean. And if we do convince ourselves that we're okay and that we're fine and the way we're doing it is acceptable to God, we're still wrong. And a lot of times uh, when we're at that point, uh, we don't really have peace, don't really have rest. David's life was a contrast. David was not perfect. There was that adultery with Bathsheba. And David was not after God's own heart in that incident. And he was not a man at peace either. After that, when uh, in, in 1 Kings 15, it says of David that he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband. And God was not saying by that that it was a small matter. No, indeed, it was an abominable matter. But how different was David's response when the prophet Nathan came to him instead of doing like Saul, when Samuel came to Saul, when the prophet Nathan said to David, thou art the man. David said, I am the man. I have sinned against the Lord. I am. Uh, it is just like you say. No excuses. 
He didn't duck. He didn't try to dodge the truth. He gave no long, tortured explanations for why. It wasn't as bad as it might look on the surface. He said, I have sinned. And he meant it. And he repented. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. David wrote in Psalm 51. Oh God, I grieve, he said in that song. I pray forgive me, he said in that song. That was his cry. He was remorseful. He was deeply sorry, sorry for his sin. It wasn't just a sorrow or a disappointment for the consequences as we see with Saul, but David was repentant. A man after God's own heart is contrite and quick to repent. And we need that, all of us, always. A fourth characteristic, a man after God's own heart is holy. He is cleansed, he is free from guilt, and that comes uh, because he is a repentant person. King Saul was uncleansed, unforgiven, And guilt was piling on top of guilt. And bitterness was driving him further and further from God. You just want to cry out when you read that story, Saul, listen. And he was growing more and more desperate to control Things and to hold the kingdom, and he was trying repeatedly to murder David. And finally, he found himself facing the Philistines, afraid, terrified, without God. And though Samuel was dead, Saul sought him yet another time, and to reach him, he went to a witch of Endor, which once more he was reminded of his sin and his disobedience. And he was told of his doom that he would die the next day. And Saul fell prostrate to the floor in terror. David was praying in Psalm 51, He was broken and repentant. He said, have mercy, wash me, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. Purge me, wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Restore, deliver me from blood guiltiness, from Psalm 51. And David was forgiven, which is why the prophet Nathan said, the Lord also, when he came to talk to David, the Lord also shall put away thy sin. Consequences would follow. 
Bathsheba's child died, and there were other consequences also for David and for his family. Forgiveness doesn't exempt us from consequences, but David found forgiveness. He found peace and restoration. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Psalm 24. Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And we're not just holy because we're cleansed, but holy because we're faithfully making holy choices. In 1 Peter 1, verse 2, it says that we're saved through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That there is an intent, a a commitment to follow, to be holy as He is holy, and to touch not the unclean thing. The spoil of the Amalekites was not to be taken, but Saul wanted it, and Saul took it. But God's man walks in the light, he obeys, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth him from all sin. 1 John 1, 7. So a man after God's own heart is holy and cleansed and faithful. Another characteristic is of a man after God's own heart is that he is wholehearted. Saul wanted God's blessing. He wanted God's protection over himself and his throne, but his heart was divided. He was not wholehearted toward God. Saul had outlawed sorcery for one thing. And he had sorcerers killed. But when he was desperate, he visited one himself. James says that a double-minded man is unstable. He is wavering in his faith and commitment and loyalty. David followed God with his whole heart. It mentions that numbers of times. One place, 1 Kings 14, verse 8. David kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart to do that only which was right in mine eyes. And Psalm 119, 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. In the uh, Fishers of Men study that we're getting into in uh, our prayer meeting groups, uh, one of the accounts from the New Testament we read in Acts 8 of Philip or rather Philip and the eunuch. And Philip said to the eunuch, 
when he asked, could I be baptized? He said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. The greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Another characteristic is seeking God's way, seeking counsel from God. Saul didn't. He just thought about it, what he wanted, and made his own plans accordingly, often evil plans. David was different, and it shows up in the Psalms. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And we could go to a number of examples of that. Seeking God's wisdom and God's grace. And the last characteristic I want to touch on is that a man after God's own heart longs for God. Saul became caught up with who he was and became infatuated with his throne and his earthly authority and so forth. And he longed for a legacy here on the earth. But we're told to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, We're told to set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Jesus taught us. And David said his testimony in Psalm 42, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. And in Psalm 63, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. There is nothing and no one that satisfies the thirsty soul like God. In conclusion, the earthly things will cease, will end, but the heavenly things, the things of God, are forever. And beginning well is great. That's a good thing. But of critical importance is ending well. In the letters to the churches in Revelation, we read over and over and over again, he that overcometh, he that overcometh, he that overcometh. We don't read ye who begin well, enter into the joy of thy Lord, but he that overcometh, 
all the way to the end. Saul was a foolish man. We think of the story of, that Jesus told the parable there at the end of the Sermon on the Mount of the wise man and the foolish man. And Saul was a foolish man. He built foolishly. He was disobedient. He was proud. And he ended up alone on a hill with only his armor bearer, without God. His army was defeated and running away. The Philistines were coming toward him. And it was an agonizing and terrible end to a life that had so much promise and great was the crash of his house. David was a wise man. He built well. He was obedient. He was humble. He was repentant. He followed the Lord, lived a holy life. He was wholehearted. He sought the Lord. He longed for God. He died at a good old age in God's arms. And he is safe in the arms of God, in God's presence. Do we have any Saul-like characteristics in our heart? We can come to God when the leper came to Jesus in our Sunday school lesson and asked to be healed. said, Jesus, you can heal me if you want to. And Jesus said, I will. Be thou clean. He can clean us up. He can heal us. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Above all things, guard your heart. For the heart of man determines matters of tremendous importance. It defines our character. It influences our choices. It determines our destiny. May God help us to keep our hearts with all diligence. Shall we have a closing song?